0: If you do this, it's going to unify people. It sets them on fire and it gives them permission to live out the commandment of Jesus, to evangelize the entire world, starting with the community that's just right outside your parish walls.
1: If you work for the Catholic Church and want to avoid burnout, overcome team dysfunctions, and put more souls in the pews, we're here to help. I'm your host, Ty Hua, here with my co-host, John Cons, and we're providing leadership development for Catholic ministry professionals. Today we're talking about how you can change the culture of your parish. Let's get started.
0: Hi, John. Hi, Ty, how we doing? Good, good. Welcome back. Good. Thank you. I want to dive in with a little bit of just a quick story. This this comes from a few years ago I was in a parish. And this was a parish that had recently been merged. So they were a few years into their their transition, their, their combining of the parishes, and they were very proud of their mission statement. And it was something that struck me because for the better part of, of two years, they had met together. They had all these groups, all these parishioners coming together. They spent thousands of dollars just in the time that was spent, but also then bringing in people that could moderate the conversation and help them to arrive at a new mission statement. And this was difficult for me coming in because when I came in, I found the mission statement to be something that was very benign, right? It was a mission statement that I think fits what we would see at a lot of parishes that we go into. And it was kind of those general buzzwords, right? We are open to all. We're called by God. We're inspired by the Holy Spirit. We're a community of disciples. We're welcoming. We're warm. Yada, yada, yada. And in the end, it ended up being a lot of time and money spent and a parish that remained much the same. So when we look at the culture of our parish, a lot of times that's the thing that comes up. We need to identify a mission. What we need to go after but what often happens is we pick these missions that don't drive us anywhere. And so, as we talk about today, as we enter in, I want us to look at mission statements, vision statements. And I promise if this is something that you do well in your parish, in your ministry, that over the course of a year or two, you won't remain the same. In fact, you'll begin to hear the language of your pastor, your team, and your parishioners and change. How's that sound, Ty? I got chills. it's gonna be so good (laughs) that's right so what's the best way to change the culture of a parish you have to tell them where you're going and you have to tell them why you're going there those are the two big pieces that we're going to cover today and and like i said if we do this you're going to hear that change not only in the language but also in the culture we're going to continue with our conversation. We're looking at the second part of that first pillar of the Catholic Ministry Professionals Framework, and that is intentional conversation. Specifically, looking at how we vision cast for the parish, and I believe this is one of the biggest, um, the biggest tools that we have in our arsenal. One of the best conversations that we can have, next to aligning ourselves with God and His mission for our parish. Well, once you know what that mission is, you have to share it. And so uh, I want to invite you, Ty. You've been in the uh, you live in you work in the secular world, right? Oh yeah. Mission statements, vision statements. Is that kind of a part of the? That's, that's part of the
1: work. Yeah, and what a great thing to talk about because we literally just went through this with my company, uh, my secular job, as we'll call it. And it's tough when you start putting out even those buzzwords of a mission statement or a vision statement. You're trying to redefine who you are. And if the people aren't following, if they aren't yearning for change, man, you're going to be you're going to be dragging them behind as you're trying to do a
0: revamp in a mission statement or or a vision statement. So I'm excited. So How did your like as you're doing this, how did they define the difference maybe between a mission statement and a vision statement? So I don't know the inner workings of what the executive team
1: decided on. Um, It was one of those deals. It was it was launched on me. And I'll say on me because I had like no idea it was coming. I had no idea of why we were doing it if it was necessary. So the second part of really what you said in knowing why we're going there, not so much, you know, where we're going, but why we're getting to the point where we have to decide why we're going there. I mean, it's such a, it's a little distinction,
0: but it's so important. Yeah, I agree. When you look at those buzzwords, mission statement and vision statement, I think a lot of times we get too caught up in what is that distinction. And and I, I wouldn't get too caught up in the rhetoric, particularly for the uses in ministry, because because of two things. One, we have a mission. Jesus gave us the mission, right? The Great Commission. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the mission. So this this. This parish, I don't mean to pick on them, but they spent two years talking about something that was already established for the church and was even reaffirmed in 1975. Pope Paul VI in Evangelii Nuntiandi stated that evangelizing all people is the essential mission of the church. So we can spend a lot of time talking about it, but at the end of the day, we already have it. So why we're focusing on vision casting because the mission tells us what we're supposed to do. The vision tells us how we're going to do it, right? Where we're going, and it tells us why, right? And like we said, once you know where you're going, you got to share that message. And that is, that is what sets up the whole conversation so that you can lead a parish because people, people want to follow, right? They want to go go where you're leading, but they're reluctant to lead when they don't know that end goal. They don't know where you're going, and they don't know why. And so, yeah, we're not going to get too caught up in that. And and honestly, I, I think one of the other things that we're going to talk about then is the reality that once you have that mission statement, it's not just enough to just label what we want to be as a community, a warm, welcoming, yada, yada, yada. That's great. But also, you're probably not. <laughs> I, I've never been in a parish where you walk in, Everybody sat in the front rows so that if you were walking in late, there was room for you to just kind of slide in the back. You didn't have to walk through. I, I I've never walked in a parish where people didn't sit on the outside of the pews. If we're really welcoming, like we need to lead our people to understand if that if that's what you want to do, well then your mission should, statement should stay state that we made a place for you before you even got here. That's why when you come into our parish, you'll see people sitting in the middle of pews, so they made room for you already. Slide on in. You know that. So we need to look at our mission statements. Yes, we have the mission. We need to look at our vision statements, I should say, as an education for our people, an understanding for our team that unifies us and aligns us all the same direction. The reason this is going to be so valuable to you, the reason people will follow along is because they're hungry to be led, right? People want to know where they're going. Our hearts are primed for God. And so we just need someone to unlock that for us. Isaiah 52 verse 7 says, How beautiful beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good tidings. How beautiful are the feet of him who brings good tidings. Ty, I've seen your feet. Right mm-hmm. <laughs> but when you preach that good news, they get pretty. Mm-hmm. you know no, there's this reality that we we desire what the church has to offer us, and we need to be led in it and so giving voice to what God is calling us to do, this mission he's calling us on, giving voice it just unlocks that for people it's a really it's a really practical way to begin influencing the culture of your parish without even being in charge. my spin on what you're
1: what you're trying to talk about with hey we're welcoming we're warm you know we can't really say we have coffee but essentially you know our non-catholic brothers and sisters that's what they're doing they're they're trying to draw in what emotions or how how we want to feel when we go to church and i don't think that's a matter of what church is right church is a place of worship you're not there to get something out of it. Meaning you're not there, man, I'm sad. I should go to church cuz church is going to make me happy. Um I'm I'm missing something so I I need to go to you know this building to get something out of it. No, you're there to participate in the mass. Right? It doesn't matter if father's homily uh was thrown together at the last minute and it makes absolutely no sense. No, you're there to worship Jesus Christ. So when we talk about those those words those fray catchphrases of we're warm we're welcoming all these different things for me it's just like wow we're missing the point yes we should be warm we should be welcoming but if you got to put that on a banner or on a social media post like you said you're probably not
0: well i and i bet if you if you were to talk to i i think you hit the nail on the head right one of the buzzwords is people are leaving the church and they're going to this church. And it's probably some vibrant community with a very eloquent pastor. But I'll bet what they have is a pastor, a leadership team that has spent a lot of time identifying these are the needs, these are the goals that we have. And and this is what God is calling us to do. And this is what we're how we're going to share it with people. They've identified with that, that first major conversation. They've discerned the will of God and now they're telling people, this is what God is trying to do here. And this is how we're going to respond to it. Again, this is where we're going and why. And that's not a conversation that happens. So often in our parishes, we, we try to find clever and, and catchy phrases, you know, just to try to trick people into showing up to stuff. Or we come up with events that are not even aligned with the mission of the church because we're just trying to be a warm, welcoming community you know, in touch with the Holy Spirit, right? So we come up with these these events that honestly are more self-serving for the people who are already there than they are serving the mission of Christ in the church to go out and bring people to Him to make disciples of all nations. And so that's that's where we're going to head is is talk about how do we identify how do, how do we write a mission statement? What's what's a good formula for writing a mission statement?
1: Yeah, it appeases the busybody in the in the. In the church, you know, somebody that's, man, if I'm not putting on an event, if I'm not helping to coordinate something, I'm not doing the will of God. So one of the things that I think that we need to just keep in mind as we're developing these vision statements is that we don't have to do a whole lot of tinkering, right? Let's go back to what's true, what's beautiful, and what's good we're going to convert hearts by by how they want to be converted some hearts want the truth so you preach the good news to them and that's all that's necessary some people want to see beauty beauty in the music beauty in in the the mass in the liturgy and you know that's what we got to get after it isn't about the catchphrases what's true what's beautiful and what's good what's what's more good than jesus christ what's more Beautiful than the body and blood of Jesus. And what's more true than the fact that he gave up himself for our sins, for our transgressions? And we get to witness the sacrifice represented on that mass, that altar. Like, what are we doing? Why do we keep trying to reinvent the wheel? What we have already is awesome. That the Great Commission. With that in mind, and with what you're saying about why we're doing it, that's all we need. Now we just got to go out and do it, and quit trying, quit refocusing energy into something new when we already
0: have it. There's no need to reinvent the wheel. Again, you know, this last episode we talked a lot about burnout, and people get burnt out on this stuff. The this parish that I was talking about, they spent two years coming up with this mission statement. Two years of a lot of effort, a lot of late nights meeting with extra groups and bringing people into the conversation, reinventing the wheel for what already is established, what already has been communicated. Now all we need to figure out is how are we really going to respond to this? We need to identify it. Like We need to identify the actual way that we are going to build this kingdom here in this community, in this church.
1: So then with the statement in the beginning where we talk about changing culture of the parish, how do you effectively do that? Like, if you, you want to talk about catchphrase and buzzwords, culture is one. I mean, <laughs> That's fair. workplace culture, um, culture in the, the household, culture in the church, culture in this ministry, in that ministry, I mean, it's everywhere. So how do we actually change culture? Let's take one step back. What is culture? It'd be like a a characteristic or a personality of of a certain um, group. So now that we've, uh, we've defined what culture is,
0: how do you change that now? Right, yeah. I think the best way to change the culture of a parish is to have these conversations. At the end of the day, like I said, people are primed, their hearts are primed to receive what God has for them. And if you in a leadership position have discerned a real direction for the ministry, for the parish, and you begin to share that, it's going to resonate with people. It's going to resonate. I've done this at every parish, every place that I've started. I discerned what God wanted us to do, what I believed God was leading us to do, and I just began to speak about it. And I just said, I think we need to do this. I believe God is calling us to do this. This is who we're going to be, and this is why we're doing this. This is why we're headed this direction. I've done that for all the things that I've mentioned before. You know, it's the same thing. If I believe that the payment, the way we do our payments in this parish, this is not, it's borderline immoral, the way we're charging people for religious ed. You know, I, and I can name that, i can say, but this is why we're doing this. Right? And this is what God is calling us to do. He wants more people in. Um, when we wanted to add parents into the program, we spent a lot of time vision casting for them and saying, hey, what would it be like if we were all on fire for Jesus and, and your kids were falling in love with him and you got to be a part of that? And so we're going to have you be a part of that process because we want our kids to have the best chance of falling in love with Jesus and becoming lifelong Catholic minister missionary disciples. That That's what we did. We just vision cast. And what I would find is when I, when I would talk this way, when I would do this vision casting, Uh, In the context of our meetings, it might be a year, it might be two years later, but suddenly that this idea of like, like the movie Inception, right? It's like you planted this seed in somebody else's mind and it becomes their own language. And I would say that's what you're doing when you have these conversations. You're giving language to the things that people probably already are feeling in their hearts. If you've discerned this from God, God is doing that same work in other people. Right? It's the same Holy Spirit working in your heart as in the other person's heart. And he's trying to will he's trying to call these people together to follow him in the mission by the means of this vision that, that you're proclaiming to them, that you're that you're offering to them. And it resonates and they desire to follow that. Amen. Amen. So should we move into our favorite section? Absolutely. Our favorite segment. The devil's advocate. You know, John,
1: what if people don't like that direction yeah you're talking about it but anytime there's change that they don't like they get to go to another church what <laughs> say you my friend
0: I okay i i love this question because it, it's a fiery topic all right um ultimately I believe when anybody says that they're really just saying I don't like that because I don't like that Right. It's very circular and you can have conversations with them at the end of the day. Um, At the end of the day, I don't know that it's going to make a big difference. Right. Um, Another common way that people say, well, that's not how we did it in the past. (laughs) And if I hear someone say that again, I might throw up. Right. (laughs) That's how often it's done. Um, I would say the main thing is when you're doing when you're vision casting for people, you need to do your homework. Right. Prepare yourself. Know what's been done in the past. Really know why you're doing this. Have have. Facts and figures with you that, that back up why God is calling you guys to go this direction. Uh, be, be, pray it out. Pray for them. You know, really cultivate the soil of their souls before you even have the conversation. And then I, I would say, too, with that homework, um, with your time in prayer, prepare responses to these things. You should just have some really basic responses. They're gonna they're gonna say, well, I don't like that. Can you? I don't understand why we're doing this. Even if you already explained why you're doing this, they will still ask. So be ready to respond. Be patient. Have those conversations. Um, but at the end of the day, I I I'd say there's there's this law of thirds that comes into play, and that's that you're always gonna have people that support you no what no matter what, right? They're just they're on board. They're gonna go. Especially if you're preaching that that truth, beauty, and goodness to them, they're gonna want to go, right? You're bringing those sweet feet. They're going to follow, right? Those are your supporters. On the opposite end of the end spectrum, you've got the naysayers, right? And this is very usually a, a very loud minority. And these are the people that anytime you say something that leads towards change, they're going to go right to Father, and it's going to be two or three people that make him feel like everybody is against us. Those are your naysayers. Very small, very vocal minority group within your parish. And then in the middle, you've got these undecideds. So when people bring this up to you, you've got a choice. If all you do is focus on the naysayers, the people in the middle, the undecideds, they're going to see that that's where it's going and they're just going to trend that direction. However, if you instead focus on the people who are supporting and building them up and setting them up to run, that is going to start to kindle little fires in those undecideds, those people right in the middle. They're not sure what they're going to do, but they're going to see fire and they're going to run to it. Now, yes, you're going to have people who don't like it. They might even talk bad about you. And to that, I would say what Jesus says. He says, Blessed are you when men revile you, persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so men persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is you living out the prophetic office that you were baptized into. And if you're being persecuted, that's a good sign that you're maybe on the right track. In fact, if nobody's persecuting you, that's actually, that's not a good sign, right? Jesus promises the cross and that you need to pick it up. So blessed are you, right? Just know that Christ is close to you and that this is very, very good. And finally, one of the best mic drop lines it's Father James Mallon, and he was the author of Divine Renovation, which is a book worth reading if you're at all interested in what we're talking about. Um, Father James Mallon wrote Divine Renovation. What he said, if people come up to him and they say, we're going to leave the church over this, he says, well, that's okay, because we're evangelizing and we're going to need the seats. Boom. <laughs> so that's how I would. that's how I would respond. Yeah. And if you know me, that's probably something I'm going to say, so... <laughs> Well, it's saying the truth, even hard truths, with great love. And I, we don't do this often enough in the church. We need to begin having these real conversations where we, we can say, this is, this is where we're going. You know, even Jesus, like draw the line in the sand. Say, we're headed this direction. We want you to come with us. Right? But just like Paul, right? St. Paul, St. Peter, we, we can't help but talk about the things we have seen. We can't help but talk about this. We have to go this direction. We can't deny the Lord.
1: Yeah. One thing I wanted to touch on that you said in preparing responses ahead of time. So I'm in the world of sales. So you have to be ready for any objection. You have to have those objection beaters. Um, Within my own team, talking about change of culture, I actually have the opportunity, I'll call it, to manage my old manager, the guy that hired me. And I've had a lot of conversations with them to where it sounded a lot like what you'd mentioned with well this is not how we did it in the past uh it, it's it was different when i was manager why would you do it that way you know all of these different reasons of why he didn't want me to do it the way that i was doing it and i got to the point i was so frustrated that i finally asked what is the problem and it really boiled down to it was his way of saying, I don't know how to do it, the way that you're asking me to do it. So having that in the back of my mind now is, if he fights me on it, my first question is to ask, are you clear on how to do it, or do you need help? Do I need to clear up my schedule to walk alongside you to do this? Yep, that's that's exactly it, Di. I don't know what it is. and I And we're not inclined to ask for help. It's one of the toughest things as human beings is asking for help. So instead of him asking me for clarification or for help or for guidance, it was easier for him to fight me. It was easier for him to just dig his heels in to say, nope, not going to do it because I know how to fight you. I don't know how to do what you're asking me to do, whatever it is. So, you know, be prepared because sometimes it's just one or two clarifying questions, You know. I don't, like, I don't like that. Well, what about it don't you like? That's not something that we used to do in the past. Okay, well, what we did in the past also got us what we've been getting, and we want to get more. How would you get more out of what you've done in the past? We have to change something, right? Yes. Okay, so maybe it isn't what I'm asking you to do, but can you help me to understand why you're not willing to
0: change? Absolutely. Another way I would even say that is asking them, "Why? Why does this bother you? Mm. Or why? Why does this upset you?" Yeah. Psychologically, it labels the emotion, right? You seem upset. Like, why is this upsetting you? Which gives them a chance to say, "I'm not upset. I'm blank." Yep. And then to explain why, which gives you something very specific to talk about and to address. With the information the that you've armed yourself with before you even came in to to share this to to have this conversation, and and I would say too, any time that I've had those hard difficult conversations with people, I, I just have never had somebody leave more mad than than the, they showed up. You know, people want to be heard, and oftentimes that is that is what needs to be done. They need to be heard. Yep. Let, let's move on to our actionable step. Again, we want you guys have practical things that you can take away from each episode to take action on the things we're discussing. And for this week, we're going to ask you to revisit your one-liner from last episode on discernment. And that's where you just, you you took out what God was saying, what you believed and discerned that God was asking you to do, and just trying to put it really simply in one to two sentence. And all you're going to do is retool it to answer where we're going and why. And I have, I have a simple formula for doing that. And this comes from Donald Miller. He runs the Business Made Simple platform. They're, they're really good at exactly these kinds of things we're talking about, which is, communicating where we're going and why and his formula for cultivating a mission statement we're gonna use it as our vision statement because I believe it fits really well for what we're talking about this is the formula you're gonna tell you're gonna say we're doing blank by blank because of blank this is your mission statement This is how you're gonna formulate it in a way that's actionable that inspires people to go forward so for example if I was to look at my parish that, I, that I'm actively a participant in, that I'm registered at, this is what I would love to see as a mission statement. And I looked on our website, I can't even see that we have a mission statement, which I would argue is just as good as having a bad mission statement anyway. So it's kind of a washout. But um, this is what I would put down for our parish if I was to work with them on establishing a mission statement that will guide people into this next evolution of our parish, this next step on the missionary journey that God has called us to. I would say we're going to engage every person in our parish boundaries and invite them to evangelizing parish events by 2024 because Jesus commanded us to make disciples of all nations. Now, the reason this is good is because it sets a deadline Right, we it gives us freedom to pivot, right? Yep. If if we find that that something's not working here, it's not connected with people, whatever. We have time to pivot. We've kind of set a deadline. That deadline also means like we we need to move, right? It also says something very specific. It sets a um, an economic objective, right? A measurable objective. We're gonna engage every person in our parish boundaries. Now that's not just everybody registered at the parish. Everybody in our parish boundaries, which is our whole town so it gives us real numbers to work with and work backwards from that to build in this mission of the church this vision of the church so we say well we got 10,000 people in our town so now we need to figure out how many events we need to have that we could potentially invite 10,000 people to you know and so maybe we can fit 500 people in well 20 events that's too much well you know only 10 people 10% of people are going to respond whatever it just gives you real things to talk about as you're looking at what do we need to do and it gives you real um, really teeth to say yes or no to different ideas that come up. It just, it just gives you a real leverage point, a jumping off point to begin building the parish in a way that, that allows you to feed this vision to people too. I would also say that um, if you do this, it's going to unify people. It sets them on fire and it gives them permission to live out the commandment of Jesus, to evangelize the entire world starting with the community that's just right outside your parish walls. So good. All right. So go ahead, take a crack at it, shoot us a message if you, if you have any questions on that. We'd love to workshop it with you. Thanks for listening to the Catholic Ministry Professionals podcast. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to the show. And if you found today's show helpful, share it with your pastor and a friend in Catholic ministry. Also, leave us a review because it helps other Catholic ministry professionals to find the show. And if you'd like to share a story that you think might be helpful to other Catholic ministry professionals, visit catholicministryprofessionals.com. Before we sign off, I would like to see
1: that you send this to your DRE or somebody that is on the parish staff. Just share it with them. Plant that seed if if they don't need help and they they live in a perfect world where their par- parish is on fire we need to talk to them we need to interview them to to ask them how are you doing it amen yes with that being said we'll see you in the vineyard